everyone. I'm Dr. Rachel Lupian. And I'm Dr. Stephanie Sparrow. Our climate is in crisis, and we all want to help, but we might not know how. We're talking to people who have figured out how to use their talents to combat climate change in the hopes that their journey might inspire your own. This is How We Got Here, because the Earth needs professional help. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Steph. Oh, friend, <laughs> it's been it's been a little bit of time. It's been some time, and I just we just have so much to talk about, and I'm I'm just so excited. I am I'm really excited for this. This is gonna be our last <laughs> guest episode, but second to last oh. season episode. Oh. We have so much to talk about because Rachel's Rachel's making moves in her life. Um, yeah. So I'm lots to talk about. I want to go first, good, bad, because I. I don't care what your good is. I'm going to to decide what your good is if it's not what you're going to. Okay. Great. great. Got it. Um, (laughs) What are your good, bad? (laughs) It's a a weird. So my good, bad, I, they're, they're, they're one in the same. As they are. Yes. As is life. (laughs) What is happiness without sadness? There we are. I know. Philosophy Uh, podcast. (laughs) This is a relationship dating Advice. Okay, go on. Sorry. Uh, no, you're fine. I was literally that brought me back to like the B I scrounged for in environmental ethics. Oh, <laughs> but, um, oh man, I mean, like, what have I not talked about? How much, how burnt out I have felt at mm. work. So on Friday, I was just, the last two weeks have just been just nonstop. So I just, I just didn't work on Friday, and I just took nice. it, and I just sat in my front yard with my son <laughs> Theodore. Aww. As my husband hauled five yards of dirt, and I did not help at all. We just colored with chalk you, and played in the dirt. You don't mix work, work and pleasure. That's right. Right? That, you're so right. You're so right. Um, we work on dirt. You don't. You don't exactly. Do that at home. I don't need to bring that home. I don't bring my work home with me. Um, so I, I really. So it's, it's good. But then I also it, there's a little bit of bad. It's, it's a weirder bad. I re, so my friend Nikki Tischler passed away. I think it was oh. three years ago now. Uh, she's just like the coolest. F- she was the coolest fucking person you've ever met. I'm she's sorry. like, yeah. Oh yeah, and she was just in high school. She was like changing lives and like starting social justice activism as a fourteen year old. She was uh, just like, the she's best. the she's the coolest. Yeah. Um, and I realized that night that that was the same. That was like the anniversary of her passing. Yeah. And I was just like, I was like, oh, maybe I like internalized some of this in some way because huh. she's just like, I just want everyone to know about her. She's just the coolest, and she. She's making a difference in so many people's lives and making sure people who aren't, don't, the voices of those who don't usually get heard. She was like forcing people in the government to listen to them through her job when she was working in for the state in Massachusetts. There's a huge bummer, right? Yeah. But like, it was a nice, it was, I felt, I sort of just like felt the pre- yeah, yeah, it was like a really nice, a nice moment outside. And I just like took time to myself and got to, yeah. just didn't think about work. So, there's a good bad in there, um, hmm. but okay. I'm gonna. I, I brought it down a little bit, but I. No. Nikki was a light. Also, she was wonderful, yeah. and she had the best giggle of all time. She's it was inspiring. Absurd. She was inspiring you to do your best as well. Um, inspiring everybody to live. She had this phrase, radical kindness. She was just literally kind to everyone. She had stickers, right? She had yeah. We do so we're fundraising for her. We're trying. We my friend from high school and I are trying to get a scholarship in her name. We're doing we're doing stuff to try and like inspire the youth. Yeah. But so it, it was weird when I reflected on the fact that Friday like hit really hard and I yeah. and it was like all work and I was like oh maybe some of this is in there, but I need to hear I'm gonna <laughs> hard hard right this is a hard change yeah. hard change but we <laughs> I 
I just need to hear your good, bad, and it better be the goods that I'm thinking of. Okay, this is what I'm going to do. I have two very large goods and one bad. Okay. Okay, and the bad is related to the second good. So I'm going to go. Go, go, go. Okay. The big good, which is perhaps the most important thing that's ever happened to me. Uh-huh. Is that I was on the Price is Right? Yes, this is what I want to talk about. I was like, if she was the other one, I'm gonna be really gr- no, no, no. This is what's the most important um, thing. You were on daytime television, Price is right, 11 a.m. Me uh, and Drew Carey, best uh, friends. Yeah, so I had my bachelorette party, and yes, I am in my 30s. To be clear, I had my bachelorette party fly out to LA literally for this because I'm a psycho. No, you're, I was, <laughs> no, 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 You're like a, you're like a daytime, no, you're like a reality TV game show I, junkie. Yes. I, I, and I used to watch game show. I love I mean, you love The Amazing shows. Race. Love The Amazing Race. Right. I, I love the match game. Oh, yeah, yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up watching The Price is Right over the summer yeah. and when I was sick, which is the best. Yeah. Sorry, not being sick. No, not being sick, I mean. but yeah, yeah. Have drinking a ginger ale and watching yeah. the prizes, right? And me and my sister, who's a couple of years older than me, Hannah. Hey, Hannah. Up, we Hannah? have, I, I don't know where, like how it got into our heads, but it was like, we have had this plan of going to the prizes, right? For specifically my bachelorette party <laughs> for a year. I mean, maybe for 20 years we've I mean, discussed this. I did not know that that was this long <laughs> yeah. in the making, but yes. I can't. I mean, we'll get into it because I have so many questions because I watched it yeah. today. That yeah. explains your insane... I was, <laughs> I was loco. Yeah. I, I, I lost my shit. Also, during COVID... Okay. COVID, objectively bad. Yeah. Although... <laughs> oh, means, twist, means, twist. It mean, twist. It means that a lot... The, the, the audience for The Price is Right Ooh, is a lot smaller. It, is, it was very so actually, small. Yes. So you have a, a much better chance... Of actually getting up on stage. Yes. You, okay. <laughs> uh, wait. Do you, can we do your other? Can we do your good, bad, and then I just need to focus on the prices, right? Because I have so many questions. Okay. okay. I. I. Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I was offered a job. Oh my God. The prices yeah. right is but more like important. the prices right. I know. I, well, okay. I, yes. Yeah. I got. I got a job offer at a, a to be a, an assistant professor. At um, Aarhus University in Denmark, and I went and uh, I got to visit them over there last week and had an amazing visit, and I accepted the job. Rachel, <laughs> job assistant professor yeah. Rachel Lupien. Although yeah. now you're far away. Yeah, Ruby. so I'll be moving with Tina and Greg to Denmark in August. Oh my. Okay. You have to say you're bad because okay. my bad is how do you get everything you want on the prices right okay, to right. Denmark? Okay, great question. Okay, okay, so my bad is related and it this it, it just perfectly shows what a roller coaster. Like I what you know, I was coming off this great visit. I oh, was yeah. I accepted the job feeling great. Left my GD laptop oh, at the boy. Copenhagen airport. But another good, they found it. 
I so mean, be, they'll mailing it back to me. But God, I felt where was stupid it? and I mean, embarrassed at the security line. Oh, you didn't put it back yeah. in your bag. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did not, and I didn't realize it until I went to work the next wow. day. Yeah, I mean, so you were fun. coming off like it was a quick for people. Was it was so a tired. quick turnaround from Denmark York, for Denmark. Three days. Yeah. yeah. So, so anyway. it's a, it's under. Okay. Okay. Okay, Those so are all, crisis, right? and also and I want to add that we are so this week, right? This is our last guest episode. Next week we're going to talk all things academic jobs because yeah. Rachel has just I been got through a lot the to ringer. Say. Um, but back to the most important thing that's ever <laughs> happened to you: being on okay. the Price is Right. Yes. So I won. You won. Yes. You won two so, things. Yes. Yeah, so you you well. <laughs> More than that, but Wait, really? so you well, it just oh, are you counting anyway. the forty eight pieces of silver? Yeah, exactly. Work? <laughs> it's like a million things. So yeah, so right, you you uh, you win the thing that gets you up onto stage. Okay, wait, I'm, can I set the yeah. scene? Rachel's name was called out first, first. thing on the entire everyone. show. Rachel Lupian, come on, on down. down. And I have, I cannot, am I was tears. <laughs> Of like crying, laughing so hard because I have known Rachel for a I while. Think I, I think I had like an exorcism or something. That was the that was yeah, what I was, was going like to use. You looked as though yeah. someone were exercising a demon out of yeah. your body. And I guess mm-hmm. it's this demon that is you've wanted to be on the prison. Exactly. For two that was my bucket list demon. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Okay, so you were called very first thing, and I thought I thought it was hard to be the first person to have it was. to guess because yeah, you have to bid first. So there's really there's no chance you're gonna win that. No, and then I will say this: this is a testament to my love of you. I sat through 16 minutes of goddamn CBS.com commercials yeah, to I watch know. you on The Price Is Right. I know, but it was Sorry about it that. was it was worth every second. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so call down first. A reaction I've never seen in a human. <laughs> that was definitely, I think that was my most embarrassing moment of the of the show when it came out today. It is but my goal to encapsulate that in a, in a GIF yeah. and post that somewhere. Okay. Okay. And then eventually. Eventually. When you got I, to do yeah. that, you got to add the dollar. I used, well, right. And I used my academic knowledge of how expensive computers, computers were. a terabyte of storage Do you are. know what? I saw, you said, okay, so the thing that Rachel, that got Rachel on television, on, on to, to play, I guess, to, pay, yeah, to, play, to play the game, was a, was a computer. And I thought to myself, she's going to know what this is because she had yeah. to price up. And I've just done, I've just gone through startups. Yeah. Yeah. And you said 1501, but I initially saw you mouthing 2000 to your exactly. bachelorette party because you were right they were on so point. Low. I know. And it, it ended up being 2600 or something. Oh my. It was like yeah, it was a gamer laptop. Computer. Okay. Okay. So then I get on stage and I'm obviously like screaming. You are. Like, uh, uh, yeah, like a maniac. Not like a maniac. Like, no, I am a maniac. You are a maniac. Yeah. yeah. You know, you were just wild. It is like feral Rachel. Yeah. I was so, okay, I was so tired and so dehydrated. No, it was Because great. we had been screaming for hours. <laughs> and it was also my bachelorette party, so I was maybe a little hungover. That's fine. You couldn't tell. Thirsty. You look great. You look okay. great. So... Then they announced the prize that I'm playing for. But wait, you get the computer. I get the computer. Oh my god, great. Well, I'll tell you. Oh, okay. About the fact that I don't get the computer, but <laughs> they and no matter so they they announced the prize that I'll be playing for, and no matter what this prize was going to be, I was gonna Freak. flip out like yes. it was the greatest thing on earth. Somebody had already won a car. I know. I saw the red I knew car. It wasn't you know? I, know. I mean, they, they sometimes they do two cars. 
But it was a dining room set. And I had joked the whole week leading up to this that I was like, I was like, gonna get a living room set. Ooh. And so it was, it was very funny. Yeah. But anyway, I'm like screaming because it, I mean, it's actually quite nice. Looking. It looks There's, like a really nice yeah. set. There was a tufted bench. That's really what the, the kicker oh, was. Oh, so you got the literal furniture and all of the pieces. The the china. The I, I assumed it was the china and the silver. There the were some goblets, beautiful candle votives. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I won that too. You and did. the fun thing is that the game that they, you know, that I played. It's called like Squeeze that, It or yes, something. Yeah, something weird. This was like the one game that me and my friends had like strategized and talked about. And apparently, a little. Price is right secret. They're yeah. going to like, they're going to ban me from the show for life. But I can't. They, You're well, on I'm not allowed to be on it for 10 years now that I've been <laughs> So. <laughs> but <laughs> they, uh, what was I saying? Okay. Price is right secret. Hello. You are oh, yeah, our listeners right that are going to be on the Price is Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So I basically had three numbers to choose from. I have no idea what the price of this is. So it doesn't make sense to even guess based on what I think it might be. Right. 30, 33%, 33%, 33% Probability. Chances. One out of three. Get rid of one number. However, we had read online that the producers pick the middle number 50% of the time. I cannot believe people yeah. have done this math. Oh, yeah. And well, also yeah. that you had looked it up. And Lorelai Curtin. Thanks, Lorelai. Lorelai, shout out. She was like, she like told us that. Like last night. Like that I, uh, I mean, anyway. So I, I, knew I, I met Lorelai briefly. I want to throw this out here. And she would have prepped yeah, she knew, for she that. Knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She also made our t-shirts. Thanks, they were good Lorelai. t-shirts. Yeah, the bride is right. Um... Anyway, so I won, and then I got to run over to the dining room set. And long story short, because we've been rambling on about the prices, right? This is now officially a prices price right podcast. podcast. Yeah, um, I have so many more questions. Per- okay, well, okay. So I think that what you're wondering is, can I trade it for cash? Yes, that was my question number one. So do you just bring home the cash? Because who so, wants to bring home a dining room set? You have unfortunately. Nice- well, not only do I have nice stuff, but I you don't I'm live in California country i'm also i don't live in cal yeah yeah so we the people who are on the show get like shepherded into a room after the show to talk about taxes for like half an hour (laughs) and we're told that no you that if they actually said if you wanted to get cash for your prizes yeah go be on go be on the wheel of fortune oh what a dig what a dig dig. exactly sorry pat sajak so you have to pay income tax on your prizes, but the kicker uh-huh. is that you pay income tax on the, the the suggested retail price, which is a few years old. And so to actually, like the computer I won, it said $2,600. Yeah. Yeah. We looked it up online. You can buy it online new for $1,300. Ooh. So, but, I'm, but you would pay tax. Anyway, long story short is all I kept was the silverware. That's all I kept after all that. Yeah. And I won, I won $10,000 in prizes and I, it was just not worth it. Worth what? It. Yeah. What were the taxes on the $10,000 in prizes? Is income tax. It was like 22% or something. So you, but on the price. So if you got it, and then tried to resell it, it didn't actually make sense But there's no option where it's like, you, no. This dining room set is eight grand. No. And then with taxes, no. you. Oh. 
I know. Oh, because you'd have to sell it because you didn't have to pay you'd the have cash. have to sell to, it. Oh, my God. What, right, which is, like, Ugh, also a I huge hassle. It. And I'm trying it. to sell now all of my well, other furniture. To Europe. So I'm moving to a different country. Anywho. Well, I need to know... And then we have to introduce our guest. Oh, right. Oh, um, my gosh. We have a whole non-Price is Right podcast to do. Oh, boy. But did it live up? I mean, the reaction. Oh, my God. The, when you yes. sat down at that dining room set. Oh, my gosh. And you, I, you were so, del- you crossed your legs. Uh, as the, yeah. it was, it, they cut out the funniest part, the, what I thought was the funniest, where I tried to pick up the bowls and the, the silverware to try to eat, to fake eat, and they're all glued down to the table. <laughs> So you were trying to do some improv work. And then I picked up the goblet or the crystal that was also glued down. Anyway, they cut it out. I think it made them look a little bad. But Well, whatever. you also don't want silverware that's glued to a table. So I think you that's actually true. won. Yeah, I won. I, behind the scenes, it was right. Yeah. It was um, worth every Grace. dehydrated hour. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so good. I, I am going to figure out how to make... because. First of all, if you listen to this podcast, this week you'll get to see Rachel. We'll link to it because it's free on CBS.com. Absolutely. For, but only for a week. For a week. I know. So you have until Friday. Um, okay. But I'm going to try and figure out how to make a GIF or ask one of my techie it'll kids happen. to make a GIF. Yeah. Let's happen. talk about our guest, who's also very fun and oh exciting. Oh, my gosh. And exciting. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So for our very last guest of a very fun season that we've had, yeah. I am so happy to introduce my friend, Dr. Catherine Pomposi, who is a trained climate scientist with a passion for engaging in public policy and program management. Catherine has extensive experience working on climate policy development, climate risk management, adaptation, and improving resiliency to climate. Currently, she works as a a climate monitoring and evaluation advisor with USAID's, or as as we discussed, USAID, USAID, perhaps, Bureau for Resilience and Food Security, but she also served on then-Senator Kamala Harris's energy and environmental policy team. Big deal. Meaning that she's a big deal, and therefore, we must say, she is joining us in her personal capacity all views and opinions expressed are her own and not necessarily those of her current or previous employers. Welcome, Catherine. Catherine! Hey, Catherine. Hey. Thanks for joining us. So nice to see you again. Thank you so much for having me. So you're here as a policy person, and we're going to get right into it. My first question is, what do you do? What's your job title? Do you have a business card? Is it vertical or horizontal? Great question. (laughs) These are very good questions. Um, (laughs) It's what the people need to know. It is. And I would say in like normal times, I guess we're still in sort of like COVID-y times, of course. Like, yes, absolutely. The business card thing is a real (laughs) <laughs> a real scene, especially in DC. Ooh, really? But um, oh yeah, I mean, people like trade them around, like like beyond like dropping them in jars at restaurants oh, to get free. Yes, like happy absolutely. Hour. No, you go to like networking <laughs> things and people say, "Here's my card." And so yes, I used to have some, but I don't really carry them anymore because we still don't really do those things. Um, <laughs> but to answer, well, I mean, we're starting safely, of course. It's um, like an email signature. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> But no, to answer, so I will, I can answer the the question, (laughs) Steph's question. Um, So my current title is, I'm with the U.S. Agency for International Development, or USAID, um, as a climate monitoring and evaluation advisor. 
Um, although I will say I've been in this role for not very long. Um, and I previously, since we're going to talk about sort of policy and transitioning from like a science background to policy, um, have worked in various capacities through, it's called the AAAS Science and Technology Policy Fellowships Program. So okay. um, AAAS is the American Association for the, for the Advancement of Science. And they host um, a program that brings in scientists and engineers with various backgrounds to work in either uh, executive branch agencies, so ranging from the State Department, NASA, NOAA, USAID, NSF, and also on on the Hill, so either in Senate or House members' personal offices or committees. And so, broadly speaking, um, I have, I guess, several years now experience in these various roles, and I'm happy to sort of talk about what that's looked like for me, especially during my time as a fellow. Yeah, I would say because you're new to this job and you've just started, we won't even, well, let's pretend you're in your last job. Let's pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. Congrats on the new job. But like, it sounds very <laughs> impressive. <laughs> so yeah. back in your immediately previous job, what do you actually do? Like, what was, what would you tell people you did? So I guess, you know, I described, like I said, I was a fellow both, um, within an executive branch agency. So um, I served that fellowship at USAID for two years. And then I was also a fellow on the Hill working in um, then Senator Kamala Harris's mm. office on her energy and environmental policy so cool. team. Oh, yeah, it was a really my. fascinating year. Um, it was it was really a great honor to work in that office for sure. And uh, awesome. handling energy and environmental policy issues for the state of California is um, a pretty oh. hefty a big state it's a big it's a big portfolio (laughs) um to say the least right like they have every climate every geography yeah uh, lots of water resource challenges oh Um, the san joaquin valley is mm -hmm. screwed yes i'm teaching my kids about that right now (laughs) oh really like yeah yeah, i mean it was a fascinating time to think about sort of these broad environmental issues that i had only really you know, as an academic, like yeah. approached with a very different perspective. Um, and so, okay, I guess the question was, what did I do? So in that role, <laughs> in that role, it's a lot of, um, I mean, every day is completely different. It's very, a very fast paced work environment. So you're doing things like meeting with constituents, you're monitoring legislation that maybe other members of Congress are introducing, you're needing to stay really current. And as somebody coming from a scientific background, staying on top of sort of what is the science showing us about best practices, regulatory measures that we might want to um, support or inquire about that in this case, deal with like climate issues, again, water resource management issues, broader natural resource management issues. Um, So you were like the science person on the team helping out. And I'm picturing, and correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of like walking in like V formation, like Kamala's up front (laughs) and then you're like stage right or stage left, not sure. And just like feeding her like this, the latest nature paper as she goes. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's, um, that's like the view of like, Senate offices that we get from like TV shows. That, oh yeah, I mean, I guess I would say the West Wing, but yeah, more like the White House, right? I, I mean, there is definitely for each of these members, they of course have a supporting team, um, and so I was, I was actually like one of this. We, we happen to have a few 
scientists on our staff, um, which is not common, but also because there's various programs. I was, I was not the only one. Um, there were in the fellowship writ large, there were like 30 of us that started that year that had different science backgrounds. We all landed in different, um, offices, but, um, yeah, you're some of the, the staff that maybe like is behind the scenes, whether yeah. in literally like walking behind yeah. them day to day or like just, you know, because they can't, there are so many things going oh, on all yes. the time. Like it needs to be distilled. Right. So right. much. Right. Yeah. And, and, so, and for good reason, right? Like each yeah. of these topics are very nuanced and complicated. Yeah. And so, yeah. So on a, on a day-to-day basis as a fellow, what were you doing? It sounds like it could be extremely variable, but. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah you're doing it's a lot of writing but not academic writing right so like writing memos with recommendations or distilling like at one point i remember there was the the special um oh gosh i only remember the acronym of course but the ipcc's <laughs> special report on 1.5 oh. which yeah. is not the actual type like it has something yeah, yeah. more but you know the, the report that degrees. essentially yeah. came out, right. it's like if we get hotter than this we're all screwed oh we're on track right. for three great <laughs> exactly. Um, we had to kind of write, like review that very large document gotcha. and then pull out like, what are the most important points? And what does this mean? And how does this relate back to what's happening in the state? You're doing, this is definitely true more so on the Hill than in my experience in the executive branch. Again, meeting with constituents, residents of the state of California mm-hmm. who came in to voice concerns about uh, issues of like water quality and sure. water just management in yep. the Bay Delta or in some of the agricultural regions. You are actually like researching and this was true both on the Hill and then in um, the executive branch, although in different capacities, sort of like researching best practices or measures that on the on the legislative side you mm-hmm. could write into law. So Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot of different things. It is certainly not writing and running MATLAB code, which is what I did. Yeah, that's That's like completely my question. So for the listeners, Catherine and I know each other. Full disclosure, we go way back to my early days at Lamont when I was a research assistant. Catherine was a PhD student. And yeah, our work was very different than than what you're doing now. And I want to hear a bit about how it's different in terms of research, but also I want to know about the writing. You mentioned Mm -hmm. it, not academic writing, more memos. Did you learn that kind of stuff on the job or was that something that, you know, you already had a background in Mm -hmm. or can you speak to that a little bit? So the writing, no, Rachel, the the question about writing memos, like very much just like (laughs) on the job, right? And it's not... Was that intimidating? Um... I guess in the beginning, <laughs> Would be for me. but also then you like Google like a policy memo. And at least gotcha. from what I could find, there was no like standard uh, to be sure. Like the memo has to be short. It's kind of like we use the acronym often BLUF, like bottom line up front, like just tell the oh, people yeah. what they need gotcha. to know. Right. Yeah. It's sort of like, I don't know, the like academic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like the academic writing, you sort of put that in the abstract, but even still, it's like with this sort of flowery language all right, often, right. like we have none of that basically. Like they don't, nobody has no time, time for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't, yeah, it wasn't, I definitely had like, I've had great mentors along the way, yeah. like throughout my career. And 
um, just asking for like examples was what made it, you know, for me, okay. once I could see something, it was like, okay, this isn't as scary. And then, of and course, then you wrote one and somebody was like, good job. And you're like, yeah. okay, got and it. you learn Damn. how to get a little bit better. So you're doing it instead yeah. of like over a couple hours, you're doing it in like 30 minutes or whatever. Um, right. But then got the it. other, I think, question you asked about sort of like research that I might do now or something. I yeah, mean, yeah. I guess the way I would best describe it is in academic research, you're the one who's really like creating new knowledge, right? Like you're exploring mm -hmm. something that we don't really know about or you want to look into a little bit more or building on others' work. I would say where I'm sitting now, a lot of what I do is sort of more like a, um, oh my gosh, I've been out of this for so long. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you're fine. What's also, a, like a review article, right? Yeah, or you're like synthesizing. A, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, yeah. review. Yeah, yeah you're not, absolutely. You're not going out. And, and to be clear, there are, places within policy where like there is the cultivation of new knowledge I just have not had roles where I do things like that mm -hmm. um but yeah I would say a lot of if if I were to say I I mean I don't really do research but if I had to make some kind of yeah. a connection to that sort of skill set yeah. it's about like collecting curating sort of being able to it's the best best practices like yeah critical like, thinking mm -hmm. I mean you. you have the expertise yeah. I mean, well, we would all be so lucky to have our research distilled for politicians. Uh, like, that's yes. the, like, link that is just so important. And yeah. that's probably why you were like, peace out. Wait. Well, I think that's why this program, so, like, fellowship program that I was a part of, like, I think that's very much why it was set up like it was. Can I just ask one more question about when you had your time on the Hill? Well, no, I'm imagining, so you worked with a bunch of, you had actually, you were saying there were a few other scientists on California's team, but I'm imagining yes. like Rhode Island maybe has one and let's say Florida has zero because they have outlawed science or something. Um, oh, I don't know if that's true. recommending against vaccinations, by the way. <laughs> I, I picked that state on purpose. It was either that or Arizona. Um, but do you, when you're given all this stuff that you have to synthesize super quickly with a fast turnaround... Is there, is, does it just depend on what's coming up on the hill or do you have, it's like, here's water quality, here's consumption, here's this other thing. And you, and to get to your point on like your research, being grad student and being a postdoc, what we really are are project managers, right? Mm -hmm. And like, we learn how to be project managers. We learn how to delegate. We have all these other things, but I'm imagining in this, we also sort of work on our own time, whereas you are suddenly on, on someone else's very insane time. So I was just wondering what it looked like in terms of how many things you were told to synthesize day yeah. to day and like the turnaround time and del like your team of other scientists, like you were like, oh, I'm the ag person and this person's the water person yeah. or if it was just like free for all. Well, so I will say, I mean, I think it was sort of your due diligence to like synthesize and reference as many like other pieces of evidence mm. as you needed mm. to if you were to, let's say, like put together a bill or provide like a vote recommendation or something like that. Um, just to, to clarify, like the any office on the Hill like can staff in any way that they desire. Like they <laughs> when I first went to the Hill and this is like kudos in a lot of ways to the AAAS program, they run this like whole orientation for all these people who are brand new to government. And the yeah. way they describe the Hill is like, it's 400 plus some odd small businesses. Cause each of the offices like works as its own sort of, mm -hmm. yeah, small business, right? Like the member is the boss and then yep. they manage their office crazy, as yeah. they will. And 
So for all of us as fellows, the 30 of us in that cohort who, again, were scientists, there's other scientists right. on the Hill. Right. So right. they could be in any office. It just, for us, we ended up, and, and the podcast isn't about the fellowship, so I don't want to like go too much into all the weeds of that because there's well, it's a really, lots of other think, resources people yeah. can find on it. But yeah. um, there's a lot of, it's basically you do like a matchmaking process. So, like, there are offices on both the Dem and Republican side that host fellows, and the fellows okay. kind of based on their interests and what they want to work on, and then other things, like, you go through, it's kind of, like, akin to, like, what happens with med school students. Med school, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. So, we were often having great ideas about, like, what you might want to work on that day, right? Like, let's say a lot of things you know might be coming up. So, for example, a hearing is coming up. If you're working in the Senate as a staffer, a hearing for some nominee in the federal executive branch, like, is mm-hmm. goes through the Senate. And so as a staffer, you look up, like, what's their record and, like, you know, synthesize things that that person has worked on before to inform, like, your higher-ups in the office those things are usually known like weeks in advance. So maybe one day I think I'm going to work on that like research, if you will. I'm, I'm right. giving air quotes because that's a different type of research. But yeah. um, <laughs> It's still research. Yeah. But then yeah. something like, you know, a massive wildfire starts to break out in the state of California. It's like gotcha. you're, you're now not really covering – somebody will still have to cover that nominee, right. but like the more time-sensitive thing. And each of these That's offices well. only has like 20 to 30 people on staff total so you're handling a lot of different things within one portfolio and so you do have to be it compared to academia it was a much more like responsive in real time your day-to-day is changing just based on what's happening in the world and in the country and in the state and so that was both like very exciting and also like difficult sometimes to navigate right especially coming from the background of a researcher where like you literally think about things for years Um, yeah yeah, that's what I was imagining just the time scale being like so different well I just think it's so I think we talked about this with our last guest at the NRDC and I think as academics like when you're in grad school the most messaging you get as grad students is like academia 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 Mm -hmm. so I think any path that like is out of there and you're doing real things is 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 good and bad. and people should hear more about them because yeah. um it's like selection bias right when you ask your advisor for help for a job and they're like well <laughs> i've only been in this world so here we are yeah. yeah um so can we go all the way back though to your first Ooh. job what your Flashback. haircut looks like what did you have a uniform no business Ooh. card i assume to train no business card. <laughs> yeah I will say the first job as a Northeasterner um, was at Dunkin' Donuts. Not <gasps> wait, yeah. where are you from? Yeah, Connecticut. Oh, oh, you're from Connecticut. From yeah. Utah. Oh, you're mm-hmm. our, you're our first Dunkin' Donuts worker, what? but we have had um, Little Caesars and McDonald's, I think, and dress bar. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, Dunkin' yeah. got me hooked on coffee. I mean, I love Dunkin' <laughs> coffee. Listen, um, I have yeah, a Dunkin' Donuts beanie that I could probably <laughs> get out very – I'm from Boston, right? So, like, okay. I'll, I will – Dunkin' or die. <laughs> I will take that real burnt coffee. In the Northeast. Yeah. It really oh. is. I mean, do I love it? As a climate scientist, how do you feel about the styrofoam cup? Oh, you're so right. 
in, like, oh, what is it? It's like a, a plastic cup, cup in a styrofoam, styrofoam cup, cup so that it's not too cold on your fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you oh, know, just... that's definitely... But, which comes first, Duncan or the climate? I'm just wondering. I mean, it's definitely disappointing. <laughs> These are the tough for sure. <laughs> Interestingly, though, I've, like, mostly lived in places the last few years where I think... I don't... Don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure, like, styrofoam's outlawed. So, like, oh. I get paper Duncan cups now, which never was a paper. thing. Yeah, which never was a thing when I was working there. But, um... I'm pretty sure in Virginia we get the styrofoam on, in the plastic. Yeah, yeah, that's Double really disappointing. <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things, though, where it's like... Yeah, I'm we with need you to do on something this. about that, but that's also not going to suck. I know you know we, this. Like, we agree. Yeah. We've yeah. talked about plastic straws in this I podcast. Ta- and this is the PP for hard one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but maybe we start that campaign for Duncan as two Northeasterners to just like, let's eliminate. We're your biggest just fans. This one we are. Yeah. Just make, keep your straws, get rid of the styrofoam. Yeah. I think that's where we're at. Um, so your first job was at a Duncan. Yeah, sorry, what yeah. were we talking about? <laughs> so did you have the brown apron with the like, the pink and or was that Gosh. the Duncan vibe back in the day? I don't remember. In all honesty, I think we had khaki. I don't even think I had an apron, but we had. Ca- I, I remember having khaki pants. Oh, um, and a white only polo? because I remember because then they nice. got like really stained with coffee, and at a certain yeah. point, like you, they were brown. They were, they were like a darker <laughs> shade. Um, yeah, I. It was kind of like one of the. I don't know, Steph, for you, if it was similar, but like there were so many in our town oh, that like yes. so ma- that was. Yes. In high school, like so many. It was people. like a high school to Duncan yeah. pipeline. It was program. a pipeline. A pipeline. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm that imagining all of the free coffee and munchkins you got to bring home. Yeah, no. I don't. Oh, munchkins are so good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a podcast about Dunkin' Donuts. Now. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Catherine and I are starting our own podcast about Dunkin'. Um, it's Duncan changed so Dodger. much since though. I'm like, I, I go know, in and I, I look know. at the menu and I'm just like, wow. Avocado like, toast. What are we doing? I just saw something about like a, a shamrock Oh, a shamrock latte. latte. Yeah. Oh, they must want to compete with. Somebody something. else has that, right? A sham McDonald's yeah. has something. Yeah, but the shamrock thing that Duncan's got going on, look, it's like brown and it's green like mixed together. Really green. We can stop <laughs> this, Duncan. Okay, okay so you okay. like Duncan. I we can talk about Duncan about it. I, like I mean, no. oh my God. So, Duncan we was your... a while left. I mean. uh, that's so Sorry. true. It's Go only on. this is Duncan podcast. So, you were <laughs> cashier at Duncan. You didn't bake, right? Do you bake also? No, we had... Yeah. They like made the bagels on site, but we didn't do that. You, I don't think we were old enough or something. So yeah, it was like cashier drive-through stocking, you know, yeah. like everything in the store. When and then did you go? You went from high school to college. Did you go to college thinking like climate science, environmental studies, or did you think I want to make donuts for the rest no. of my life? Or? I mean, I kind of, you know, in hindsight, I feel like I really like the Great British Baking Show, right? Like who oh, doesn't? Yeah. So I kind of yeah. wish yeah. I had pursued maybe some culinary things. No, funny well, we enough, a, we have a question about alternate uh, careers later. Okay. So I'll, I'll bring that up. We'll that actually that is not the one I think I would say. <laughs> okay, okay, the okay, Duncan, okay. you know, the Duncan vibe is making me think about baked goods. Um, cloudy <laughs> I. It's funny when I was in high school, I remember not actually liking science, right? And I, I think that was because I remember we had like a an earth science based yeah. course as freshmen, but then it was all lab-based sciences, like bio, chemistry, yeah. physics. Nope. And I just, I, I'd like to say now as like a more mature adult, I appreciated those topics, but I didn't really like like lab-based no, sciences. I really yeah. liked 
history and geography. And Mm. so I went to college and actually I really liked statistics too. So I went to college and I first was a statistics major. Wow. Um, did you have statistics in high school? I or did. You just... Yeah. I had okay. one, oh, wow. one course. Um, I had not no lot, stats but, classes. Yeah. yeah no. We had one. I had a, I went to a pretty big high school and um, yeah, stats was one of the math courses. So I did that. I really liked cool. it. So I went into college kind of thinking I would pursue statistics and then I was, um, but where I went to undergrad, which was at UConn, a lot of the statistics, um, offerings and the, and the students enrolled in that program were going for like actuarial science or business. Oh, sure. And I knew I didn't really want to do that, but I didn't know mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. How and else then, to apply that? Right. Um, and then almost like coincidentally, what ended up happening was I was taking a geography class at UConn for a gen ed requirement. And mm-hmm. it was a physical geography class taught by a climate scientist. And I thought it was like, fascinating she was an amazing professor you're like making and stuff like i'm a i'm a scientist who teaches physical geography <laughs> okay so well like, you're gonna be <laughs> you will be one student's like my ah. professor um no and she just won some uh, teaching awards so. that's amazing congratulations yeah. that's so great yeah, yeah so <laughs> here i am like little sophomore <laughs> just kind yeah. of taking this class and i really enjoyed it and so i sought out the professor afterwards and basically like asked her how, how I could learn more and <gasps> how she got there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually at UConn, which I don't know, maybe this is true, Steph, at your um, institution, we could, we could design majors. So there's oh, like that, an individualized major program. Um, but that's awesome. That is a yeah, that fantastic is cool. opportunity. Yeah. So we basically, because UConn didn't have at that time, like a climate science degree we basically Mm. made an environmental science that degree they had environmental studies but it was like yeah it was incorporated aspects of the stats the climate science and other environmental science or studies coursework that's so cool um and yeah that's what I did and then that's awesome yeah did you that must have been like kind of nerve-wracking like to yeah I don't dive right in or was it just did you have like over the course of like a couple years so I guess yeah yeah I don't know I don't remember it being I just she was so great to work with and you just like bold as an undergrad you just like (laughs) make it yeah there's no imposter syndrome no consequences when when you're 22 years old you're you're infallible you're just like ready to like take on the world in ways that are but I think that's amazing that you had that support. Yeah. I think that's amazing that UConn let you do that. Mm-hmm. I assume that's like start- kickstarted actually probably <laughs> like the creation of their like climate. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, as more and more people start to yeah, no, they in definitely this. yeah, they have a lot more climate science stuff yeah. now. Um, yeah, and also that's a testament to my my professor as well. Shout out Dr. Angie Seth. Like we're still. Yeah. She's still my mentor we'll to, her to this stuff. day. That's great. Um, that's awesome. What a yeah. fun. When, so. when you were an undergrad, like, navigating this space. I love that a gen ed, like, introduced you to this world. Right, I teach that gen ed. I'm not your fantastic teacher. But I teach that gen ed. You're someone's <laughs> fantastic you're teacher. You're someone's I'm someone's teacher. And they're all listening. I told them it's their spring break. I was like, if you miss me, listen. And they <laughs> was the biggest eye roll I've ever seen in my class. But um, did you did you work in college? Did you still, Were you still at Duncan while doing climate science? Or did you move on in the world while I, forging you know, your own path? 
I worked at the Yukon coffee shop, but I also actually started working. Um, Yukon had an office of environmental policy and I also was an intern there. So a lot of like campus sustainability work, um, environmental stuff with the community. Um, it was a great, I guess, like transitional moment in a lot of ways where I was starting to take these courses, design this major, started eventually to do some research in climate with my professor, and then also had this internship on campus, which sort of um, was looking at like a local level on aspects of environmental um, issues and sustainability. And yeah, I guess in like, it was an internship, but that was like my first real job. Oh yeah, right? Yeah, experience building, skill building. and that was a great place to be for a, a lot of also like great mentors in that office and um, people who pursued like graduate degrees and helped me with as we got to that phase, um, yeah. a lot of those aspects. So, Did you go directly from college to grad school? Um, basically, but I ended up having, I graduated in like December and then okay. grad school started in September. So I was a substitute teacher in the interim. Oh. Um, yeah. So essentially did you teach geography yeah how do you like no it? i was like <laughs> mostly just stats <laughs> i wish it was it was middle school so it oh was boy. i mean i don't remember if the school had statistics or i don't think they would have at that you know those ages but yeah. um kind of just you know as a sub you're you're like the uh, yeah. designated not designated hitter <laughs> like the one who like tees up whenever like people can't yeah. come in yeah and, yeah you know. what is that it is yeah. the D. but it was great i mean You're, i still no that's the person who hits for the pitcher yeah i don't know there's a saying right about like the pinch hitter thank you that's what it pinch is pinch yeah, yeah. hitter like, nicely done we are and, sports yeah. yeah this is now a sports <laughs> and dunkin podcast um, be proud. <laughs> but no i like i mean i still to this day really like working with students and so it was like you know honoring that i guess in a lot of yeah. ways and do- i needed to do something for like the 10 months right so. well and it's yeah it's hard to get a i'm job seeing this like that. through line of like applied stuff too throughout your oh yeah throughout mm-hmm. your, you're just like i need to be interacting with people totally. i need whatever my work to be driven so then but you knew right out of college like i'm gonna go to grad school i'm gonna go to lamont i'm gonna meet rachel here yeah we are. <laughs> i'm gonna do a podcast um it does it does seem like we could say that but no like as I was going through it it was all very much not clear I was yeah I was going to be graduating UConn and I wasn't actually sure what to do I knew like research was interesting to me and that's where again my fabulous mentor was like have you considered grad school and here and we started looking at schools because the answer to that had been no like I didn't Mm -hmm. I was not um I didn't know anybody who had a PhD growing up. My family didn't know anybody who had a PhD. Yeah. So this was all very much like a new world to explore. And I yeah. feel really grateful that I had, like I said, her, other mentors at the university and in my office that I was working in. Um, but yeah, so applied to a couple of schools, um, was really interested in Columbia and Lamont in part. And it's kind of funny stuff that you picked up on that, but because the International Research Institute for Climate and Society oh, was there, yeah. and because I knew IRI. the IRI, as we say. Um, Another acronym we'll just add to the I know, mix. so my <laughs> we'll life create a is table. full of acronyms. Um, <laughs> because I knew I wanted to do climate science, but with some kind of applied lens. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, despite that maybe not being the biggest... Uh, 
area of focus at the time for the department. The IRI definitely had that focus. And Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to then go to Columbia Lamont IRI. They are like all (laughs) in some ways. Which is like part of the Earth Institute and like part of. Yeah. Yeah. Rachel could describe better than myself. Well, now everything's turning into the climate school. Yeah, which I haven't kept up with. So I don't know. I haven't either. And she's there. there. They're like. (laughs) all very cousins or related I don't know um yeah but there's a lot of umbrellas there's a lot of umbrellas yeah <laughs> um worked with another set of like great mentors and people who knew this was like a desire of mine to have some kind of applied lens to my work and they themselves often were doing similar research um and that's not to suggest I in no way like hold the view that if I may say, like, a purely theoretical research endeavor is, that's also very important. But for me, it was just... We're not offended. No, no. And I don't even, I'm not even saying this about you two. I don't, like, frankly, I don't know your research enough. But broadly speaking, like, primary research is super, super important. I just, it was always a lot more inspiring and relevant and interesting to me if I knew it was, like, because this actually impacts people and yeah yeah oh I think we both totally yeah let's like touch just briefly on grad school like what was your project and then how did you get into this like very formative triple as thing sure Um, I would say yeah yeah those actually kind of relate in some ways too so I studied again noting this like desire to do uh, relevant science, I guess I should say. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Apply. We call it applied, applied science. science. Thank you. You're good. Um, you're good. You're, um, I, I studied the West African monsoon system and trying oh, yeah. to understand it's a it's a very variable monsoon system, something like uh, 20% change in sort of total magnitude rainfall in a couple decades that uh, scientists are still like really interested in understanding why it's been as variable as it has been. Um, and so I was looking at aspects of oceanic driven variability. So realizing that when the global oceans are in certain formations, this area of sub-Saharan West Africa tends to be wetter or drier, but there's also like interesting sub-seasonal or within the season changes, um, which at the time, I was also lucky to work with a Senegalese climate scientist who taught me about the ways that that type of information is utilized by mm. primarily subsistence farmers in countries like Senegal and Mali. Um, and so I you know, was still very much just a part of these science teams doing that basic research understanding like the the atmospheric and climatic forcings behind some of the signatures that actually if we could predict for and communicate Mm -hmm. and have exchange of information um with local um individuals who could utilize that information it can be really powerful in sort of um building climate resilience for local communities and and also like the partnership in those individuals also being able to collect like rain gauge data and, you know, data points that feed into the, in, especially in sub-Saharan Africa, we just have a a lack of really high quality observations, right. Which really limits our ability to do some of the science scientific research that we might Mm -hmm. um, be able to do in other areas of the world. So um, I was like inspired by that connection and started to Mm -hmm. learn about, 
campaigns and organizations which actually like fund projects like these they're called climate services projects i mean including the iri is really like a, a world leader in some of this work as well um and started to think like oh i could i could do my matlab code and run these models and write mm -hmm. scientific papers about it or i could be parts of the teams who like manage these programs and talk about and right. measure the results of them and try to understand why they're working in real time and space yeah. and um and in between the fellowship i actually did a postdoc that was very much also sitting in this applied um space i was at ucsb with the climate hazard center um, sure, sure, sure. so it's a group of oh. researchers who support a big food security monitoring yep. program called fusenet um and you know in these different experiences was just thinking a bit more i think after coming out of the fog of like grad school and finishing yeah. a phd you're like okay is this really what i want to do and um almost i don't want to say there's definitely not like only the academic path or the not academic path. And I right. really, it's really frustrating yeah. that I think grad students are like presented with those two yeah. Yeah. options Industry. or yeah, <laughs> like there's so much more. Um, but I was realizing I didn't think I really wanted to stay on the academic track sure. at that time. And instead was really the parts of the work I had been engaged in that were most interesting were about this, like, work with practitioners and work in the policy space and the programmatic space. And the fellowship was something that I knew about from other friends, yeah. colleagues, um, as sort of a way to start to enter into that other, other side of things, if you will. Um, and I, it's yeah. scary to, to jump over. I think yeah. we're also told, we're also told that it's very hard to come back yeah. if you, think you made the wrong decision or right. something like yeah. that. And I think that probably deters people yeah. as well. I think you're right, Rachel. And I think I remember having a moment of like, okay, now after like accepting it and getting ready to move to DC, like, oh my gosh, I'm doing this. And what if I'm like wrong? Cause I think, right. yeah. or not, yeah, not wrong, but like regret this or something. And I mean, yeah. the honest, the truth is like, I haven't. And I mean, I think it's, valid like we're all humans and also we're scientists so like yeah out of anybody we're really going to question a lot of the things yeah. that we're doing <laughs> analyze the yeah <laughs> based on the evidence or or the lack thereof um there are still so many interesting things that right. one can do that it keeps me like <laughs> close to the field that I studied in but definitely yeah. I'm doing much the work looks very different but it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that I don't like enjoy it and there's not real benefit it's not like intellectually stimulating yeah no it yeah. definitely is and it's right. you know opened up this whole other side of things that like yeah like I took an environmental law class which was fascinating and I was just like oh that would have been really cool to take something like that in grad school and I think there's do you know any uh, <laughs> lawyers we could have on the um, can't find any. <laughs> I might actually. I can oh. let's let's yeah, let's think about I that later. Chat about um, it. Okay, okay, okay. Let's chat, let's chat. <laughs> but yeah, just I think a lot of schools, I hope nowadays, are realizing that like there is this yeah. desire to really be 
more interdisciplinary than just saying like, oh, yes. I'm interdisciplinary. And I think there was always that desire, right? I, now yeah, it's just totally. like less tabooed. Totally. I don't know. Not that it's, you know. Well, because I mean, like in the day they were like, if you have breath, you don't have depth, right? And it's like, <laughs> no, now you can just like speak across, like you're just yeah. training to speak across discipline. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's very, it's very foolish. Well, that's really interesting. And AAAS, so you, there's two tracks. Am I crazy? Yeah. You were in the policy track, but there's also a science communication track. And that's like a PhD- different fellowship. But yeah, they have like oh, a, okay. they also have like a science communications program. Where they like embed you in something, in uh-huh. a communication yeah. piece. But it is a really, just to speak to AAAS again, like you've been doing the whole time, it is important that they've recognized the need for people who have these advanced degrees who like understand how this that whole process works to then be able to distill and actually like talk to the people about why this is important because without that that scientific like if you i mean you don't need a phd to get into that policy space like you were saying but i think you have you are in that space because you have your phd right like that that Mm. did very much contribute to that yeah i think so absolutely and then you know when you're in it you're learning a lot of other things about policymaking in general and like the regulatory landscape and things that I also often feel like oh man I wish I had some coursework in this but then Mm, you also learn in the real world as you go and I think that (laughs) I've talked to enough people now that I realize like academia may be like the only place where it is not true that like like you're seen as only really knowing stuff if you did like all this coursework and then you research this topic and where I've been the last couple of years is like, no, people really build knowledge as they go. And I guess it's unfair to say that academia doesn't recognize that, but I think the models that still exist are sort of like you work in a department that is the degree you have, you publish papers on this topic and therefore you are the expert in this space. And that is very valid and accurate and, and good for a lot of reasons. But there's also this other side of you can bring a science-informed viewpoint to a new space and still be considered like a credible expert. And that's been like really cool, I think, in my experience yeah. to, to transition over to like that community. Yeah, so cool. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm hearing writing skills. I'm hearing some talk of MATLAB. Absolutely um, not. So what, <laughs> I have no skills in MATLAB at all. Okay, okay, okay. But so what are the kind of skills that you use now? And I don't know, like, if you had identified those skills early on, and you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think, <laughs> I think you're, oh, go ahead, Steph. No, well, I was, there's like, I think there's this interesting space that you're talking non-academic, academic dot track. Yeah. What we are, what people are tr- poorly trained to do is to leave the academic track. When I think... <laughs> Catherine, what you might get at are the skills that you actually should put on your resume yeah. if you're like, mm. I want. So that's where I was. That's where I was going. With yeah. That. No, I think they're they're great um, related questions. So I think Rachel, you kind of like teed it up nicely. It's your writing skills, your communication skills, your stuff. Something you said earlier, ability to like project manage something, right? Yeah. To set like small yeah. milestones in pursuit of like a larger, really big project, keeping things on time a lot of grad students are managing their own budgets. Like these are things that, again, I think as a grad student, especially you're not told like, oh, you're cultivating all of these things that translate to the broader job market and actually are like really valuable for hiring managers to see, like, not only are you comfortable as a scientist, right? You 
come up with your project management plan, your chapter or the paper you're going to write. Yeah. You're coming up with how you will actually meet the benchmarks so that you can get that done. You're pursuing like collaboration and a lot of often um, compromise with, right? Like co-authors who maybe want to oh, write yeah. that yeah, sentence yeah. in a different way. Then you're publishing something, you're talking about it at, you know, the AGU to an audience of technical experts right. who are going to grill you on it. But then you're also presenting it to the local like museum in their after hours science night. So you're speaking oh, yeah. to diverse audiences with different <laughs> communication yeah. tools and you're maybe writing a blog post about it or you're maybe speaking on a podcast about your results so all of those like communication writing project management organizational skills yeah I talk to grad students so so many times I've spoken to them and they're like when I point these things out and again I, yeah. I feel like you know I was there myself like I would not have had the confidence oh. or the insights to say like, no, I wouldn't have said I have five years uh, work experience in project. No, management. absolutely not. Yeah. But then but you, you realize, but you yeah. You and, and this is what like teams in the workforce look for and like yeah. hiring managers look for and to play those things up and to really give yourself the credit that like, no, you're honing these like day in and day out, the ability to be independently driven in your work yeah. and stay motivated. Like, that that's a huge, huge quality. <laughs> and yeah, like, I don't know that, I don't yeah. know that who's doing that more than a grad student, right? Like, yeah. but I don't think that broadly speaking, those, those things are pointed out as they're not right. They're just not. Yeah. They're just like, you're absolutely like, here's how you write your academic CV. Right. Goodbye. Yeah. And that's, and that's what's, and I think that's what's a detriment to like, so to so many things policy wise too. the fact that all these smart people feel like they're sort of like, stuck in this one track and they keep trying keep trying keep trying and like i don't know if you just get the messaging like you've worked so hard for this one thing so that it's academic or not and you're not told like exactly everything you just said Catherine. you have a plethora of yeah. skills that would make yeah. you hireable for anybody because you know what a phd teaches you how to think right. you can be trained to do anything yeah and i think it's all about and that's what that's what's so great about your journey Catherine, is that you're like yeah i do have these skills and i am doing this <laughs> i did the applied science and now i'm like really putting what is it like the rubber to the road if we're only speaking acronyms and then stuff this podcast <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but metaphors and acronyms similes and dunkin donuts similes like a culotta <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by oh dunkin maybe they'll add maybe we'll ask who do I ask? We'll ask. We'll I'll, ask I, we'll t I'll tweet at them. Great. Great. No problem. Well, Catherine, if there were <laughs> <laughs> if there were no climate crisis to get back, what would you be doing? Contestant on GBBO? Yeah. Yeah. I said that kind of, you know, flippantly, but no, I um, <laughs> I mean, it, it would be awesome. Fine. I think I'd probably it be would. out on like episode one, but um, nah. bread. We can make it to bread week. <laughs> I, uh, I that's like when they have bread week and they have like science, you know. People with science oh, backgrounds yeah. in Bread Week who talk. I don't have a chemistry Jurgen. background like you two. So I don't know that I could bring that perspective. Um, no, I think I would be doing something like outside. Like I do. Sometimes I think about in these conversations about career path, like what I described is very much the way it happened, at least in my memory. But, you know, I wasn't I don't have this memory of like sitting outside and looking at the clouds and thinking like, oh, I want to do something in weather, meteorology or climate. Yeah. But at the same time, I do also know that like being outdoors and in nature is really 
that like brings me some of the greatest joy. And so if I, I don't know, like if the climate crisis weren't happening, I think I'd still want to be doing something that allows me to be working closely in like nature and outside. And I don't know what that could look like. Oh, oh I don't know, like National Park Ranger or something. That would be so oh my cool. God. Um, you back in the khakis. Right? That's the full story. Right? There you go. <laughs> Although I don't really like camping all that much, so I don't know. Maybe that's not. But you could, the right if you path, work there, you get to, you get to stay in the cabin. Yeah, you're that's fine. True. You don't have to camp. Oh yeah, that's you true. go home. At night. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Catherine, the listeners must know if you have a pet and if this pet has a social media presence. Ah, we must. Know. Interesting. I do have a pet. She does not have a social media presence. <gasps> okay, um, fine. But, but tell us about tell the us pet. about her. Yeah, I well, I would like. <laughs> bring her she's been very quiet so um that's good nice she can bark into the microphone no yeah she's like wait, not meow? around wait, what bark. Is she? yeah she's a dog <laughs> okay. i have a little like terrier mix dog her name's Luna. what is she's really sweet um, like yeah. the moon is she white like no moon? she's actually like um black and brown brindle which i don't know oh. i thought luna Brindle's a moon, cool color night so Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just went the other I way like with it. it. Yeah. Went the other way. I know a white dog named Luna. That's why yeah. they did it. I, it's like, apparently we... a very common dog name, um, <laughs> which I did not know at the time of naming her, but I have since met lots of Lunas. So so when you, like, call her name for her to come, just, it like, just a depends. Of yeah, It depends where you are. You might get a couple. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no social media, and I'm pleased that she was so – she was actually barking when we first started, so I don't know if that will come through in the background. Hopefully not. Way to go, Luna. I yeah. think she did better than Tina did, which well, she Tina's Tina, like a host though again, at this point, isn't she? So. That's true. Well, Third I've, host. I've edited her out every time. Maybe we'll every time, every time. If anyone can go back and listen to our episodes and realize that there's a weird sort of pause <laughs> <laughs> right Fi- in the middle of every our Easter episode. egg, you can give them yeah, free Dunkin' Donuts. Oh my God, you find where yeah, I had it out Tina, you, and you get a Dunkin' gift card no, happily, happily. happily. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Have a lovely day. Thank you.